Kate's Pet Chat today. We are joined by Dr. Kimberly Earl from Edgeworth Animal Medical Centre and Daniel Carrington from the Pet Shop Boys. And we've got some other very special little visitors. Well, not in the studio, but via phone because we're talking about Italian greyhounds, Daniel. We are. What a wonderful breed. Mm. Now, we've got Caitlin Elder. Now, she has been a breeder of Italian greyhounds for over a decade now. She lives in Armidale, and it's her breed of choice since the age of 13 as well. And she shows them, and as I said, she's a registered breeder, and she's also dabbled in a bit of obedience ring work with the Italian greyhounds. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. Now, look... They are a wonderful breed, and like the thing that sticks out for me with Italian greyhounds is the very thin legs that they have. But to tell us and describe to us what the breed's like. Um, they're very people orientated. They um, they have their their people. Um, they're very aloof with strangers, but um, that's not an excuse for them to be frightened of them. They just don't like them to touch them or anything. Um, yeah, they're, they're much like a a greyhound in miniature. They only grow to about 40 centimetres tall. Yep. And they come in a variety of colours, except for black and tan and brindle, like the greyhound. Okay. Yeah. So what is the history of the breed? Um, while many people think that they come from Italy, considering their name, they actually... There is um, remains of them that have been found in Egypt from in the pharaoh's tombs from about 3000 BC... Um, they got their name from being very, um, very, um, well, yeah, they're popular. They were popular in Italy in the yep. 17th century, and that, that's how they got their name. Okay, and 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 with that breed in the Italian uh, greyhound breed, what if, uh, what is it about their temperament? I guess that people like. What do they like about it? Well, they're very lovable. They're, um, they're quite cat-like in their nature where they, they enjoy to sleep, much like the big greyhounds. They love to sleep all day. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they enjoy their own company, so they're happy to be left alone during the day, but they will get up to their own little things like trash your house if, you, if you're not careful. Um, do they require, like, so they have a lot of energy, so do they require a bit of exercise? Um, 10 minutes a day is all they're happy with. A little derby around the backyard and they're cool and they're happy to sleep for most of the day. They love their sun, so a window, a window that gets sunlight with a nice bed and they're happy to stay there all day. What's, um, is there any health problems, uh, known to the breed? Um, well, as you said before, they have very, very thin legs. Mm. Leg breaks are very prominent. Um, it's just a point of being, being careful, make sure they don't jump from high, high ledges. Don't let them pretend to be Superman. Um, and But then again, you don't have to treat them like porcelain. They are allowed to be dogs. Um, exercise is important, mainly to keep muscle tone. And it's the muscle tone around the, the, the thin legs that tends to make sure that they don't break them. What um, you said that they come back from the history of even possibly Egypt. What were they bred to do? Um, mainly as a companion, but they were also bred to, to hunt small vermin and game, keep keep the rats away and whatnot. So they're very they're a sighthound. Once they do see something they want to chase, they will go for it. Um, they do switch off so. Fenced in areas to let them run are important. Otherwise, 
you'll be looking for a very long time for your dog. Oh, okay. So uh, are they fast when they do run? Yes, they are very fast. Um, they they've enjoy lure coursing, which is a new sport. Um, and, and they're much, yeah, they, they're not as fast as the greyhound, but they can reach speeds that are pretty quick like a greyhound. What's river coursing? Lure coursing is, is, it can be considered like greyhound racing, but not in the way greyhound racing is. It is a lure that's, which is just a plastic bag really, that's, um, pinned along a course on a big open field. And the dogs just chase the plastic bag around. And it's new, yeah, it's a new sport in Australia. It's been around the world for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But it's now, now in Australia and you're allowed to, um, actually compete for it. There's, it's not, no money like greyhound racing, nothing. Yep. It's yep. just purely for the dogs to chase something. To chase and burn off that energy. Yeah. What kind of families would be suited to the breed? They, they, they love anything, anybody. The main thing is little kids, younger kids, younger families really need to be um, monitored around the dogs just in case they don't play too rough. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, they, they love everybody. They actually sound, Caitlin, like they'd be a great dog for someone who just wants a really low-maintenance animal and a small animal that they can, I won't say carry around in their handbag, but, you know, yeah. they are so teeny tiny, aren't they? Yeah, they are, um, and they do love to be carried around, but they love they love walking as well. Um um, Caitlin, do you have do you have like a funny or special moment that's happened with with your Italian greyhounds that you can share with us? <laughs> well, at the moment we've had um, up here we've had a bit of snow and some very cold weather. Yep. And um, letting my dogs out of the morning, and they all do this little handstand walking around the backyard because I don't want to put as many feet on the ground. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and and I've seen photos of, of friends over overseas where they do get snow during winter. And they basically walk around on as many legs, not as many legs as possible. So, so it's like when it's we walk funny. on tippy toes. So yeah, like... basically, yeah. <laughs> if they could stand on one leg, they could, they would. And they're a short-coated breed, aren't they? Yes, and they do feel the cold a lot. So mm. during winter, they do need their jackets on when they go outside. Mm. Um, and But inside, if, if it's warm inside, they don't need jackets at all. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time and the explanation about the Italian greyhound. No worries. Thank you. That's Caitlin Elder, who is an Italian greyhound breeder. And and they are, look, they're tiny. They just look like a little tiny greyhound, but they're incredibly thin, aren't they? In terms of veterinary care, Kimberly, Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything if people listening that own Italian greyhounds and it has been cold as she said they need their jackets but not inside so you just need to monitor them. Yeah they, they are they're very thin skinned delicate little dogs so um, making sure that they're warm that they have a nice you know sort of soft bed to, to sleep particularly as they get older young dogs always cope with things a little bit better but as they get older um, they have they don't have a lot of padding over any of their bony prominences and so you know arthritis and things like that's going to affect them um, you know potentially quite quite badly although um, I don't. I don't know specifically with Italian greyhounds. Greyhounds themselves, because we've bred them to be active racing dogs, they have very few relative problems with arthritis, which is a really nice sort of thing. And it might be that the Italian greyhounds are similar, but they don't have a lot of padding. You know, if you think about a Labrador, they've got a lot more tissue between their, um, you know, the, the points of their mm. elbows and things like that. Whereas these guys are really, really fine. So nice, soft bedding and nice warm jackets. Alan's on the line with a sneezing pussycat. Hi, Alan. Oh, good afternoon, Kimberly. Hello, um, how are you yes, doing? Yes, I'm very well. Um, oh, seven-year-old, mm-hmm. my my little boy here, Nelson, and uh, 
over the past month he's had a little sneeze and a little cough every mm-hmm. every now and then, and occasionally it's after when he eats. Okay, yep. And is he um, is he an indoor and outdoor cat? Does he does he go outside no, he, and roam the neighbourhood? No, he no. won't go past the front gate. Oh, he did. He did last week. I don't know where he went for two days, but. <laughs> But on the whole, he's not. Um, listen, so sneezing can be can be a variety of different things. Um, we, we certainly see sneezing as one of the primary signs of cat flu, and cats that have exposure to other cats can can have intermittent cat flu. Cat flu is caused by a number of different things, but herpes virus is one of them, and um, the old adage of herpes is forever really is, is rings true with cat flu. So you can get it. Um, they may not show any signs of it for a significant period of time, and then they ha- can have a, a relapse and start to show signs of it again. So that's one possibility. Um, he's also an, not an older cat, but he's a middle-aged cat, and there are some um, upper airway things that can go on with cats that can start to cause sneezing. So one in particular that comes to mind is um, polyps, um, nasopharyngeal polyps in the back of the um, sort of pharynx and throat. You won't be able to see them, but they can certainly trigger sneezing in a cat, um, plus or minus some coughing. Uh, I guess the thing to think about is whether or not it, it's sort of affecting the cat's life. If he's got any other signs, itchy, watery eyes, um, if he's having difficulty eating, nasal discharge. So if it's sneezing without a discharge, that might not be such a big deal. But if he's got a snotty nose, um, that's probably worthwhile getting him checked out for. Yeah, he's, he's got none of those. None of those. Okay. And, I mean, remember that sneezing um, is a normal protective mechanism that the body has as well. So if he's a curious seven-year-old cat and he's going around sniffing at, you know, um, things on the floor, he might actually be getting stuff up his nostrils and, and the sneezing may actually be related to that. Well, he's curious with a capital C, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it might just be that, you know, that he's getting into stuff and, and inhaling a little bit of things. But certainly keeping a watch out for other signs, um, and particularly if it's becoming um, really progressive, if, it, if it's mm. getting worse, becoming more frequent, or if it's just really lasting a long time and you think, gee, I'm sure he didn't used to do this last year, um, then that may be worthwhile having him checked out by your vet. Okay. Thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks for your help. Thank you. I promise we won't play Curiosity Killed the Cat. <laughs> that, that would just be mean and nasty. Uh, David, welcome to 2NUR's Pet Chat. You're with Dr. Kimberly Earle and Daniel Carrington. G'day, guys. How are you? We're good, Hi, thanks. I've got a uh, five-month-old puppy, Cattle Dog Cross, and uh, her breath is starting to um, be a little bit whiffy lately. Okay. So it hasn't been in the past, but now it's changing, is it? Yeah, probably okay. in the last month or so. Right, okay. So there's there's a number of different things that can be going on. So first of all, um, I would always say that puppies, very young puppies, have really lovely little puppy breath before they get to a point where they start to, um, you know, sort of really clean themselves well and things like that. Yep. So normal dog behavior is that after they toilet, they do, you know, do a bit of um, cleaning yep. of themselves down there. And, and I think young puppies don't do that very well and so they often don't have you know sort of smelly breath as they get older the population of bacteria in the mouth also increases as well and that's usually what's actually creating that smell Um, so it it might be totally normal and it's just that you're noticing the change from that nice very mild puppy breath to more normal puppy breath but there are some other things to think about Um, so in particular if she's had um, anything that gets stuck in her teeth if she chews on bones or has had anything we we sometimes see puppies that will get little bone fragments stuck in their teeth or they can actually fracture the teeth and get an um, infection around the root of the tooth, that can certainly cause really stinky sort of breath. Um, It might be that she 
she's just developing a little bit of plaque and tartar and some some home care, you know, dental um, or oral home care, like brushing her teeth can be really worthwhile. Um, you got to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> they tolerate pretty well. If you get a, a doggy toothpaste, usually it's chicken or beef flavored and a, a small soft toothbrush. A lot of dogs tolerate it really, really well, and it can certainly keep their, their breath um, fresher. It's certainly something we recommend if you can. So I think, okay. you know, if it's, if it's something that's um, getting worse or becoming really progressive, I think it's probably worth getting her checked out. But it may be a normal change for her as she goes from, you know, real young puppyhood to okay. older puppy. She, she just lost um, a couple of teeth I found around the house, yep. three teeth. Yep. Um, and I noticed yesterday I gave her, I cooked a piece of um, lamb and I gave her the shank. Yep. Um, raw, yeah. and it smells a lot better after she's been chewing on a bone for a Does couple it? of hours. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She's she's right uh, at the right age to be changing out her baby teeth for adult teeth, so they usually do yeah. that starting from about four and a half months, and by the time they're six months, they've usually got gotten rid of all their baby teeth, and they've got their full complement of adult teeth in the mouth. So and they're the only ones she'll have for the rest of her life? Yes, that's right. Okay, yeah. and it's, is it good to leave her chewing on a bone for, for too long? Or Listen, you can. Um I don't usually recommend bone chewing, and, and that's part of me because I, I did do some practice, some veterinary practice in North America. The bone chewing is very culturally Australian. Most other countries <laughs> in the world don't still recommend it. And the reason for that is because there's no 100% safe bone. So a lot of people do it, and their dogs never have any trouble. And if you're going to do okay. it, a big bone and a raw bone is always the way to go. But yeah. certainly there's no bone that's 100% safe. So we certainly do see issues with fractured teeth, um, bones getting getting stuck in the mouth, bones, puncturing, guts, constipation, things like that. Um, You know, there's a lot of really good nylabone-type products, plastic chew bones, and they are actually um, a fair bit safer. Um, The other thing is that there's not really very good, hard, you know, scientific evidence that chewing on bones actually keeps teeth clean. If you look at wild dogs, they often have um, fairly fairly manky mouths, and one of the reasons they don't live very long is sometimes because their teeth are all falling out. So, you know, I think if it's not causing a problem... your dog um, then you can probably go ahead and keep doing it um, but okay. just be aware that there's no 100% cert, you know, safe bone David, Thank you very much David what I'll also do for you I'll get the producer to take your details we do have a, a mouthwash product that we sell at the Pet Shop mm-hmm. Boys and I'm happy to give you wow. one if you want to come to the store and pick it up so we'll oh, take your fantastic. details and if the problem gets worse you can always use this product for that Okay. Thank you very much You're, That's welcome. Great. You're welcome Good luck David Thank you No worries Dr. Kimberly Earl, one more job, trying to get the kids to clean their teeth, and now we've got to clean, clean the dog's teeth. Please, what are you doing yeah, to but, us? But as, as Kimberly yeah. said, they come in different flavoured toothpaste. Yeah, like they you love have, it. You have um, chicken and liver and <laughs> yeah, beef. beef. Malt. It's, it's yeah. incredible, yeah. yeah. And look, if we had chocolate-tasting toothpaste, the kids would love it. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's a market there, Daniel. You're hitting something on the head. This is Pet Chat on 2NURFM. We'd love to talk to you about... Cleaning your dog's teeth, whatever you want to do, <laughs> four nine two one six two one six. I tell you what, there's just nothing, you know, nothing is sort of unusual anymore. I'm learning mm. as a result of this segment each week. Yeah, it's it's quite a topical thing. Um, August is National Dental Health Month, National Veterinary Dental Health Month, I should say. Um, and you know, as from an oral home care standpoint, brushing teeth is one of the things we really do recommend. It's a little bit easier in dogs than it is in cats, um, but I have some clients who are doing it with their cats as well, using finger brushes. Um, and it tends to be a little bit easier sometimes in bigger dogs than it does in little dogs. My dog loves to have her teeth brushed. She 
thinks it's a great treat. Wow. And I have a chicken-flavored toothbrush. I, she's got her own dedicated um, toothbrush. So I have chicken-flavored toothpaste, her own dedicated toothbrush. She gets a little taste of it on her tongue before we do the brushing. And then mostly we're focusing on brushing the outsides of the teeth. You don't have to worry too much about the insides of the teeth. So really good brushing there. And then again, she finishes off with a little smear of the toothpaste on her tongue. She thinks it's fantastic. And and surprisingly, it actually really makes her breath, you know, smell a lot better. Um, so it, you know, the, the veterinary dental specialists would say to try to do it every single day. My dog's probably gets done once or twice a week. Um, I aim for a bit more than that, but you know, life life happens. Um, but it really does make a difference to these guys and how fast they they build up their tartar and things on the teeth. I like, I like what you said about the raw bones and natural bones mm. and wild dogs. And we often yeah. think about well. In the wild, this is what they would do. But, yeah. but when you do check out the teeth of wild dogs... Yeah, they're not it, great. They're not great. <laughs> and good uh, dental hygiene, mouth hygiene is important for the overall health. Absolutely. Of whether it's a human or, it or is, an animal. really, yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned about the Nyla bands. There's lots of different ba- brands, brands yep. who uh, go to a lot of research and development to make mm-hmm. sure that these bones, these toy bones that dogs yep. can chew on are designed so they do give the optimum amount of clean removal of plaque and tartar mm-hmm. and I was just sitting down with a representative from one of these firms the other day looking at a whole new range they've got all these little nipples and yeah. abrasive sides and edges and like yeah. dumbbells on either side so there's lots of really good things good coming ones, yeah. out to do the job and I find in yep Oh, I was just going to say, we've got another call too. I find um, that in Australia, they're a little bit harder to get a hold of those Nyla bones. I think it's because people are so into feeding their dogs real bones. But I'm sure that, you know, in the coming years, it's going to, vets are going to be a little bit more hardline about not feeding your dog bones and and getting them used to having those plastic bones. My dog loves them and they can't break off big chunks of them. She gets little tiny, little itty bitty nubbins off of them. So the bone gets worn down slowly, but she can't get any of the major gastrointestinal problems. It's pet chat on 2NURFM. We're joined by Dr. Kimberly Earle and Daniel Carrington and Peter. Hello, Peter. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Peter. <laughs> what can we help you with about your bulldog? Yeah, I've got a little uh, 18-month-old French bulldog that I've had for about eight weeks now. Yeah. Um, I bought her from a breeder. Um, she's never been lead trained. <laughs> okay. And um, I've, had a, I've had three sessions with a behaviourist to get her to walk. Yeah. Um, we, I did for a couple of days now. She won't walk again. She just does the whole um, road shuffle. Yes. And I have to drag her. Okay. <laughs> but she's um, she's really, yeah, I, I guess that's my biggest problem. But she's quite, she's quite single-minded. Mm-hmm. And she's not a very <laughs> affectionate dog. <laughs> not a very affectionate dog. <laughs> no, she doesn't give me any attention. Uh, okay. So, I mean, you're getting her as a we you're getting her as an 18 month old, and um, you know, so a lot of her behaviors and the learning that she's had, you know, will will be based a little bit around their key socialization areas, which in puppies is from 10 to 16 weeks of age. So you're sort of you're obviously missing that window, and and depending on. Um, what kind of care and attention she got early on that will form you know the basis of what her personality is like to a certain degree yeah um, so I guess the thing with with dogs you've only had her for a relatively short period of time mm-hmm. starting slow is is really worthwhile so you know some dogs refuse to walk on leashes because they don't like the feel of the collar around her neck you may need to try a few different harnesses or collar type things you may need to get her used to the weight of it and so you know under supervision letting her um, drag a bit of a heavy leash around behind her to, to get sort of used to it Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, bulldogs are, are a bit stubborn, you know, regardless of what variety they come in, French bulldogs and things like that. They, they do certainly have a stubborn streak to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of positive reinforcement, trying to entice her with treats and things like that can be really useful. Um, mm-hmm. Rewarding her for even small... Um, uh, small increments of, of good behavior. So, you know, you might just get her to come to you from the end of a leash um, and give her a little treat when she comes. Lots of praise. Good dog, good dog. You've been a really good dog. And give her a little, you know, treat to, uh-huh. to make it something that she wants to do. We have to sort of find the thing that's going to be um, her incentive. So um, it's a bit of a challenge. I think you haven't had her for that long either, so she's probably still adjusting to the new, you know, new situations. Yeah. Um, give her a bit of time, lots of positive encouragement. And some dogs just aren't very cut and things like that either so it might just be her personality peter when you do put a lead on her and try to walk her how long does that go for um well yesterday it was like a half an hour we tried Mm, yeah and she was just she soon as soon as she'd even give me a little bit of a a movement i released the 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 pressure pressure, and then she'd go to a full belly crawl again Yeah. yeah so it's yeah, she was walking fine. I only had her walking 10 minutes here and there. And then the, the next time I took her out, she totally just, you know, did this whole... But she hasn't been dissexed. Hmm. She's getting dissexed on uh, this tomorrow, actually. So okay. I'm just... One, and she's got a split cycle. She's very complicated. So <laughs> what, what, I, what I recommend is just do what you're doing, but don't make the walk so long. Um, okay. Do your yeah. 10 minutes and finish yep. it there. Yep. Give her lots of padding, lots of uh, you know, treats and lots of hugs and, and pats. And then yep. leave it and do it again in the afternoon. Like give okay. like Do it a little bit in the morning and in the afternoon. It's the repetition, not the length of time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good luck with that, Peter. We hope that it works out well. You might want to let us know if you have the victory. I, I will, certainly. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your help. No It'll worries. be very sweet indeed when that little dog's doing uh, what she wants to do. She might yeah. even get a cuddle as it, well. It'll happen. It's just time. Oh, yes, we've got Nadine back on the line. We thought we'd lost you, Nadine. Hello and welcome to Pet Chat. Hello. How are you going? We're good, thanks. Glad you made it back. Yay, thanks. <laughs> what can we do for you? Um, I was just wondering, you know how you were talking about bones before? Yes. Well, I was wondering, um, I don't really like leaving bones either because I think that they're dangerous, but the deer antlers that are around at the moment, what do you think of those? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't know there were deer antlers around. <laughs> Actually, we sell them. There do is. you, Danny? Yeah. Um, I, I think it would depend on how hard they are. I mean, a lot of the problems we see with bones, bones are very high in calcium, and um, I think antlers are probably a little bit less, but I'm not entirely certain on that. Um, and, and so we can certainly see problems with um, splintering and fracturing of little small sharp pieces of bone. If the antlers do the same thing, I think that that would be a bit sketchy. Um, but I suspect that they're a little bit, Maybe softer? Actually, they're, they're quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they are hard, and they're very hard in terms of breakages. So yeah. that's what's happening at the moment with okay. them. We have only had them for about a few months, okay. and we're still yep. getting back reports from the customers. But it, it appears the customers who are buying them, they're buying them again. Okay. Um, but they are lasting a long time a long as time. well. Yeah. Um, so that's a good thing. And the, the great thing with the antlers is there's no animal that's needed to be killed no, for them because true. they just mm. uh, the deers grow them, then they yeah, fall off they and they get picked up and, and so forth. But it's a very good question. Mm. Yeah, Nadine, so thank I, you I'm for that. I'm not entirely sure about that. We need to maybe look into it a bit, yeah. We'll do some research for you. Good on you. Nothing like getting some homework for Pet yeah. Chat. Yeah, there you go, Dr. Kimberly. That one's a good one for you. 
Uh, antlers in Australia. I mean, I haven't seen antlers, you know, for sale in pet um, shops in Canada, so it's really interesting. <laughs> we have plenty of deer over there. Well, um, they're actually yeah. uh, come from farmed venison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of either there is Australian farms or New mm. Zealand farms. Okay. They're imported right. from New Zealand. We'll have a look yeah. at it. Yeah. Let's take a look at our pet of the week. If you want to see our pet of the week, go to the 2NURFM webpage and click on the community page and you can see lovely Lacey. And just before we get into Lacey, thank you so much to the person who has adopted Rocket, the coolie dog from last week, who was just a Isn't special great animal. News? It lovely. is, yeah. So we're really wrapped about that. And we'd love Lacey to find a nice home too. So Lacey's the cat of the week for this week. She's five months old. A female, obviously. Black cat with beautiful green eyes. She's very affectionate and she's quite the, the purr machine. She loves to give you a, a good purr. She gets on with other cats and dogs. She can be timid um, with loud noises, which do scare her a little bit. She may be okay with older, quieter children. She has come a long way since being in care and would be an understanding uh, an understanding home would, would, that would be willing to give her a chance uh, would be a good place uh, for her. So she comes de-sex vaccinated and microchipped um, and she's wormed and fleed as well. If you want to see photos of her, go to the 2NURFM community page, but also you can phone Anita on 0400107603 and that's Lacey Black Cat with lovely green eyes. She sounds just lovely. Mm. She looks nice too, little Lacey. It's wonderful. And, you know, $180 for all those things being done, that's a pretty good price. And really, she's only five months old, so there's still a lot of growing there. She's still a kitten. A lot of maturing. She's probably just a little bit skittish, but she'll get out of that probably. Well, I'm off now to figure out how to brush Lotto, our tortoiseshell's cat's teeth. Um, she's, she's a bit savage. So. Finger brush oh. and just gently in the sides. Here's a great idea. Dr. Kimberly <laughs> Earle is coming home with me today to help me brush the cat's teeth. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, guys. It is Dr. Kimberly Earle. She's from the Ed, uh, Edgeworth Animal Medical Centre and also Daniel Carrington from Pet Shop Boys. Every week we do it. It's called Pet Chat. You can phone 49216216 on a Wednesday after midday. And don't forget, go along to the 2NUR website where you can see a photograph of the lovely Lacey. Thank you so much, Kimberly. I will see you in a few weeks. And yeah. Daniel, thank, thank you. Thank you, Meryl. See you next week. Yes, and don't forget to... This is always podcast, so if you've missed part of today's conversation and you would like to hear it, you don't need to miss out at all. Also on the 2NUR FM webpage, you can go and listen to the podcast of Pet Chat with Dr. Kimberly Earle and Daniel Carrington. Coming up to news time, I'll going, I'm going to catch you tomorrow. Well, where's the day gone? It's Thursday. Where's the week gone? It's Thursday already, which is uh, rather rather startling. It's a, it's a bit of a concern, isn't it? It's only Wednesday today. No, but tomorrow's Thursday. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's yeah, Thursday. Yeah, tomorrow's Thursday. <laughs> today's you, Wednesday. You just stick to the teeth. <laughs> no, that's all good. We'll catch you uh, tomorrow straight after quarter past eight with Todd Sargent. It's 2NUR FM.